Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, we're in week three of our series on the Holy Spirit. I'm liking this stuff. I like uh, thinking about God and learning more about who he is and to take the summer to look at the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit uh, is exciting stuff. In week one, we, we, we kind of had a big uh, picture view of how um, the Holy Spirit uh, broods and breathes over the earth, over humans, bringing form and fullness. And this theme of form and fullness is something that we'll see woven all the way through the big arc of Scripture um, and our own lives, where the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, brings form to our lives and then fills us ultimately with himself. And last week, we explored that question of why would the Holy Spirit even come? Why would the Holy Spirit even care? Um, she's going to take excellent notes, Amanda. She's going to take excellent notes on my message. It's great. It's great. I want to see what you come up with there, uh, Olivia. Um, we looked at why the Holy Spirit would even come and exploring how uh, everything was about making a people for himself that in whom he could dwell. God wanted to live in human beings, and he does. He does. He came. But what does it actually mean for us to have God living inside of us? What does it mean to actually live that full life, to be a formed and filled person or to be a formed and filled community? Or maybe to put it another, another way, what practical difference does it make in our lives, all this God-filling? What difference does it make in my days, the way I live, the way I interact? That's what we're going to explore today. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you would, you would tend to my words today, to our hearts today, that we'd be open to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, one of my New Testament professors is a guy named Gordon Fee, uh, quite renowned actually, um, and uh, he was a man who knew more about Paul's letters and, and uh, the teachings of the New Testament on the Holy Spirit in particular than, than most did. Um, he was raised in the Pentecostal tradition, as was I, uh, but then went on to be one of the leading textual critics and scholars of his day. He's still alive, but very, very old, in, and he's living in New York. Um, anyway, he argued all the time that the most central uh, ethical command of the New Testament was this, be filled with the Spirit. Now you think, oh yeah, that's because it's Pentecostal. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah. be filled with the Spirit. Now, um, <laughs> he argued that this was the central command because when the Spirit fills his people, everything else flows from there. Love for God, love for others, uh, growing in grace, witnessing to Jesus, uh, being the holy people of God who worship and serve and forgive others and are, are, are letting the Holy Spirit transform them. Everything flows out of that filling. Sitting under this guy in, a, in classes, I, I had the honor of taking the book of 1 Corinthians with him when he had written one of the definitive um, commentaries on that. It was, it was a whiplash because he'd go from like super technical Greek right to like Sunday night revival preaching. And then back to super technical, you know, and it was like, whoa. Um, and so it would be, you know, uh, well, we didn't say anything too crazy in, in his classes, but, you know, it was, it was one of those, you, you, you have people shouting amen and stuff, and, and then he was on to something else, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Be filled with the Spirit. At least a central New Testament command for every follower of Jesus. And uh, Gordon V. pulled it from Ephesians 5.18, which is our main text for today, and I'll, I'll read a little bit of the larger context. So uh, what we hear, what I'm going to read for you now, comes on the heels of, of Paul's been doing a bunch of teaching on the change that's happened in these Christians since becoming one of God's kids, since receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Paul says this in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, uh, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The central command of this particular passage is be filled with the Spirit. And everything else in that passage supports it or describes the effects of it. And really, the rest of what comes on after that describes the outflowing of this effect of the Spirit filling them. I want you to notice how Paul here is using the idea of influence. He sets up a contrast with a kind of drunken influence, which, you know, is obvious But he does that in order to punch home his basic challenge, which is that we be filled with or that we come under the influence of the Spirit. Now, this command to be filled with the Spirit is not an impossible command. It's not an esoteric, mystical, weird command. It's not something that only Pentecostals talk about. It's it's, it's not something that is reserved from those charismatic folks down the street. This is actually a command that Paul expects us to obey. And he believes that it's fully within the grasp, the capability, the reach of every follower of Jesus without exception. It's not a command to some super elite or some super weird or, or some, you know, sort of white-hot Christians with next-level maturity or those of a more contemplative personality. It's not that. It's for everybody. And what's more, this command to be filled with the Spirit is not a one-and-done deal. You know, kind of like the guy who uh, told his wife he loved her on the day he was married. Remember that story? And years later, she said, you never tell me you love me anymore. He said, well, I told you once, and if it changes, I'll let you know. But this is not how it works in marriage either. But in the command to be filled with the Spirit, it's not a one-and-done situation. It's an ongoing command to be obeyed, that we are to keep on being filled. We are to keep on coming under the Spirit's influence. We are to keep on drinking up the Spirit's ways and words and wisdom, His work. We're to keep... Walking in the Spirit, which is another favorite metaphor that Paul uses to describe this same thing, this Spirit-filled life. But this command to be filled with the Spirit is, is kind of raises the funny question for us, doesn't it? I mean, we have been talking, I already talked this morning, about how the Holy Spirit has come to live in us. That we believe, based on the promises of God, based on the Scripture, teaching of Scripture, based on the experience of His people, that God's Spirit comes to live in anyone who confesses Jesus, the Messiah, as their Lord and Savior. This is what the Scripture teaches. It's what the prophets promised. It's what Jesus promised. And we see that promise fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes on this little group of people, and the ripple effect is more and more people are being included in God's family. The Spirit of God comes in and fills up his people. He does it individually, yes, but the primary way the Scripture understands it is he comes in collectively. The people of God are filled. By virtue of that, then individuals are filled. We often get it the other way around, don't we? We think of it as first, well, because we've individually been filled, then we all are collectively filled. The Bible understands it in the reverse. Because we're collectively filled, then we're individually filled. We are, in fact, temples of God's Holy Spirit. God is in the house, not the physical walls. The house. Well, then, how does it make sense, then, that we are to be filled with the Spirit if we're already full? Have you thought about that? So you just kind of stuff more of God in? Get in with both feet? I was helping over the pancake breakfast on July 1st over at Canyon Park, and there was a couple times I just got inside the garbage can that was full. Guess what? After I stomped around for a bit, there was room for more. Is that what we do? We just kind of stuff more of God in? Or does God leak out or what? Get bored with you maybe? Go find someone else to play with? Well, let's get a few things straight. The teaching of Scripture is super clear. God moved in and lives in his people. And he doesn't come and go. He doesn't wax and wane. It's not like what we see in the Old Testament where God seems to come on people and then not. Be part and then exit. Be with Saul for a while, but then check out. He doesn't do that. 
when the Holy Spirit came, sent from the Father and the Son, he came in and he's not going anywhere. And yet, we know that the people of God, the people in whom God lives, don't always reflect God's presence. Have you noticed (laughs) that in your own life? (laughs) We know that there's something about God living in us where he actually wants us to have some sort of participation in this life together. He actually gives us some sort of responsibility, some sort of uh, way of affecting even how much influence that God's spirit has on the renovation project that is us, our house, so to speak. That God is living in us, but we might be resisting his renovation plans. I don't want that wall torn down. Thank you very much. Or God is forming us as a church, but we can be unwilling to let the Holy Spirit challenge us to grow in certain ways because it's uncomfortable, and so we resist. And what we find out is we are able to do that. And so this command to be filled with the Spirit helps us understand that the God who has come to live in us actually wants us to fully engage with him in the work he's doing in us as a community and in us personally. You know, unlike the influence of strong drink, which can make people act in stupid and foolish ways, the influence of the Spirit enables us to act more responsibly, more the way God has created us to be. It has to become more of ourselves in Christ, to become, in that sense, more in control, even as we yield control to the Spirit, more responsible, even as we recognize it's all a work of God, more engaged, even as we know this is something that God ultimately is leading. So when we think of God filling us up with himself and then his loving desire to actually engage with us and have us engage with him in this God-filled life, we come to understand a little bit more of what it means for us to be filled with the Spirit on a daily level as a whole church. This is about consistently choosing to let God, the God who lives in us, actually lead our lives. This is about influence. Nikki Gumbel uh, founder of Alpha, leader of Alpha, ha- uses a helpful analogy in his teaching on the Spirit about like a furnace, that we're like a furnace with a pilot light. So in that sense, just this is how he uses the metaphor, uh, the pilot light's always there burning, representing the, the Spirit's presence in the life of a believer. But it's like God has handed us the thermostat, a way of turning on the furnace so that that pilot light catches fire and whoosh, the furnace heats up and and the heat rises. It's that thermostat that God has given to us that Paul, in a sense, is telling us here to keep tending to. Keep an eye on it. Keep, Keep getting hotter. Allow the Holy Spirit to influence you. He's there, but he desires us to be part of his ongoing work in our lives, making us more and more into his people. And so that's the command to be filled with the Spirit. But what does that look like? What are some of the effects of obeying this command to be filled with the Spirit? Well, I'd like to highlight nine of them. How's that for breaking every speaking rule in the book? Nine effects, real-life effects of being filled with the Spirit. And as we go through this, think, there might be something else you want to add to it, because surely nine's not enough, um, that you want to throw in at the end. So let me rattle through a few effects, real-life effects of being filled with the Spirit, but I'm going to get a drink first. First effect. First effect of being filled with the Spirit is that we are growing in confidence that we're deeply loved by God. This is the first effect. Listen to Romans 5 5. For we know how dearly God loved us, loves us, present tense, loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. This is so primary that as God's presence is experienced and known, the God who is love is living inside of us that we grow in confidence that we are loved children of God. And this becomes the the bedrock of everything. This becomes the way in which we see ourselves and others. 
that we belong to God. God lives in us, and we are transformed by the knowledge and experience of his love in our lives. This is primarily what I pray for when I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. It's what I pray for when I pray with others and ask the Holy Spirit to fill them. The very first thing is that God's Holy Spirit would pour his love, that they would become more and more aware, more and more convinced, more and more confident that they are the loved children of God because everything flows out of that. When we know the God who loves us, when we're being filled and we're aware of that influence and we're coming underneath it, talk about change in our patterns, in our hearts, in our lives. And we'll see that all flow out from there. So that's the first effect of the Holy Spirit filling us. We are confident and growing more confident in his love. Second, we more quickly identify sin in our own lives. And we confess that sin, and then we live free and forgiven in Christ. In Galatians 5, uh, the New Living Translation says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Same thing, right? Influence. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. One of the most natural effects of the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives is that He shortens up the time or the distance between sin and confession. We grow in our awareness of attitudes or actions that do not line up with God's heart, with God's holiness, with God's care and love for others or for ourselves. And when we identify, when the Holy Spirit highlights that for us, we don't wallow around for days in shame and guilt. We confess that sin. We make things right with the, if there's a person involved or someone that, you know, we need to make things right. We make things right. And then we walk in freedom as forgiven people. The Holy Spirit never, ever brings a vague sense of crushing guilt just so you can walk around feeling heavy for a while. Now, there are times when we're maybe trying to figure out what's going on and the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to that. But I'm talking more generally now. The Holy Spirit, he brings conviction about a sin or an attitude as we are attentive to him, as we're listening to the scripture, as we're engaged in spiritual friendship or in a, a mentoring relationship, whatever. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction for a certain sin, not just putting you under a bunch of shame so you can walk around feeling bad about yourself. That's not the Spirit. That's not the Spirit of God who loves you. It's not the Father that's, in fact, the enemy and wants to keep us in chains. Jesus himself said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin. And he does that in our lives, too. And he does it so that we can continue to be realigned to God's will for us, his desire for us as a church to live in freedom as forgiven people. So the Holy Spirit will help us more quickly and that's one of the signs we'll see, one of the effects we'll experience in our lives is that it, 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 where, where once it was days, now it's hours, maybe minutes before we realize, oh, I should not have said that. <laughs> and then we do something about it. Or, <laughs> oh, this is the one for me that's tough. Or, oh, I should have said that. That can happen too. Third effect. Third effect of the Holy Spirit filling our lives is that we become more Christ-like in our relationships, in our, in our attitudes, as the fruits of the Spirit are growing in us. This is such an important topic. We're going to devote a whole, um, a whole week to this. But for today, I want you to hear that one of the most obvious effects of the Spirit's influence in the life of a community and the life of an individual will be the ways our relationships reflect the fruit, the character of God the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And as has been often noted, these are characters that aren't just individualistic. These are things that are worked out and actually can only be worked out ultimately in community. This characterizes the people of God who are filled with the Spirit of God. Their relationships together, their life together is more and more looks like the character of Jesus Christ. There's also, related to this, a way in which the Holy Spirit filling us, we grow in emotional maturity as well. 
We realize that we can't grow spiritually and outpace our growth emotionally, that we've got we've to deal with some of the things that are hanging us up. And by the Holy Spirit, in community and through prayer and in conversation and some good old hard work, we can come to see ways that our family of origins gave us patterns of behavior or attitudes or ways of relating that are not helpful. And the Holy Spirit will teach us as we mature and identify established patterns and disrupt them and, and begin to, to, to actually relate in the ways that the fruits of the Spirit would lead us to relate. The Holy Spirit does that work of emotional maturity, which is so, so critical. Because sometimes we see people that we think, this person, and they know the Bible really, really well, and they've been in church a long time, but when it comes to uh, their ability to relate with another person or to deal with conflict, they're, they're emotionally like babies. They don't know how. And that often is because of their family and because of their experiences. Well, the Holy Spirit can help you and I grow in emotional maturity as he comes in. And so that's really, really critical. I'll keep going. Fourth effect. We are experiencing a deeper desire to know and encounter God through Scripture. This is just true. As the Holy Spirit fills a person's life, the Holy Spirit will, will create this almost, sometimes it's crazy. Like people, especially people who are first to faith and, and the Holy Spirit has just come in, they're just eating it up, right? Reading nonstop. You know, what did you do this weekend? Uh, sat and read through the <clears throat> Old Testament. <laughs> like, this weekend, you know? Yeah, I'm on to the new now, halfway done. Um, it, it, it's, there's this evidence of the Spirit of God in there leading them. Jesus said the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth would come, and he will guide you into all truth. And one of the primary ways the Holy Spirit does that is by bringing us into the Scripture, creating us a desire to see Jesus, to encounter God through the Scripture. Remember, Jesus, critical of of some of the scholars of his day, said it's not just about studying and knowing the Bible in verse backwards and forwards. It's about understanding how through the scripture we encounter God himself. Jesus criticized these religious leaders in his day in John chapter 5. He said, you search the scriptures diligently because you think by, uh, by them you have eternal life, but those scriptures point to me and you refuse to come to me to have life. And so one of the things the Holy Spirit does is creates in us a desire for his word a desire to learn and know. And, and it can be daunting. I get it. Especially if you're a first-timer into the Bible. Like, it is a big book with weird names. And hopefully you didn't get handed a translation that is old. And, uh, you know, weird things can happen. So I get it. But the Holy Spirit can overcome a lot of that. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, uh, as the Holy Spirit comes in, creates in us, and people, they find it. The Holy Spirit guides. But that is one of the effects in fact, in your own life, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you can admit, and it's okay to say, you know, the Bible can get kind of boring because I've been over it a lot. It is okay to say that. Say it out loud. Better to tell the Holy Spirit that, you know, I find your word a little boring. Can you do something about that? And, uh, and then he may guide you in conversation to a, a new translation or, or a new way of engaging scripture. But the Holy Spirit, as he fills his people, creates this desire to, to, to learn and to know and encounter God through his word. Related to that is a fifth effect. Fifth effect of the Spirit is that we begin to experience more intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a a sense in which we are more aware of God's presence in our lives, of his voice in our minds. We are praying more. And when we come to worship, there's something significant about the opportunity of, of, of opening up your heart, your mind, your, your vocal cords, your arms, and worshiping the Father through the Son by the Spirit. There's something about the day, our daily walk that is increasingly connected to the God who is in us. And this is where we experience, bit by bit, and you know, different days, different days, but a real sense that we are living life with God. He really is in us. And that is an effect of the Holy Spirit filling our lives. Jesus, again, in John 16 said, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's why I said, the Holy Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. There's just a, a pouring out of intimacy and knowledge from God. And, and, and the practice of some spiritual habits, or sometimes they're called disciplines, are, are helpful in that regard, not as a way of, 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 of creating these weird restrictions, but actually of helping us keep open to the influence of the Spirit. 
uh, ways of, of, of continually bringing ourselves away from distractions and being open and ready and aware of the Father and the Son and the Spirit in our lives. The other advantage hugely of having uh, spiritual companions. Sixth effect is that we become more sensitive to the Spirit's leadership in our lives. And there's a, a sense in which we're growing in our willingness to be obedience, in obedience to God's will. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They know it. They're familiar with it. They know it. They can identify it. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're letting his ways and his heart fill us and shape us, when we're regularly in scripture and his truth is, is reforming the way we see the very world, we can begin to assume the shepherd's voice. I don't mean that in a presumptuous way, but Jesus himself said, my sheep know my voice. You know me. Well, I've been revealed in scripture. You've been diving in. The spirit has been leading you into all truth. For once, try to believe that you can actually hear my voice. Trust me. Follow me. Galatians 5.25 says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that is one of the great effects of being filled with the Spirit. We are just more sensitive to his leading. Which sometimes is, is almost intangible. Other times is really, really obvious. But we are open to his promptings, open to his leadership. Seventh effect of the Spirit's filling is that we are using gifts that God has given us to serve others. That is an effect of the Holy Spirit filling us. This will take more unpacking. We'll devote more teaching to this, the whole topic of spiritual gifts or spirit gifts on a future Sunday. But for now, just hear this from 1 Corinthians twelve seven: A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I love that. Let's just be this blood. This is what spiritual gifts are for. You've got spiritual gifts to help me. Did you know that? Do you know that I need you to help me with your spiritual gift? Are you aware of that? Like, no, like my, there's something about the way that I can come to know Jesus and grow in grace and be a better husband and a better father, a better pastor that somehow is connected to you using your gift. So don't you dare I need you to use it. (laughs) And you need others to use theirs, right? There's not a solo project. God has given each of us gifts. And as we come under the influence of the Spirit, we're going to discover more and more how we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit to help each other grow up in Christ. It's like he's given us, the, you know, fresh and shiny tools. You're on a, you know, I've worked on some job sites. Not that I'm the handiest dude, but um, some job sites. And uh, boy, you get razzed when the fresh tools show up, or even worse, fresh boots. Um, guys just stomp all over them for the first day when you show up with fresh boots on the work site. Or maybe that's only when you're 17. But anyway, it's like... There's fresh tools in the hands of these, these new apprentice craftsmen. And the Holy Spirit now is present to teach them, to teach us how to use the tools that he's given them with, the, with tools that are for the purpose of building his house. We learn from the master. Now, we learn through other people. We learn by trial and error. We learn by, by, by listening and observing, and there's lots of practical ways we learn. We learn, though, by the Spirit to use the gifts he's given us for the good of his people. Sometimes, I know it, sometimes we think gifts are just given plop, and you know how to use them. Well, that's not true of a skill saw, so I doubt it's true of a gift of teaching either, you know? We've got to learn how to use them. The Spirit wants us to learn how to use our gifts better and better, develop them more and more. And we can do that under the influence of the Holy Spirit in community under each other. It's great. Every Christian is Spirit gifted, without exception. Why? Because every Christian is Spirit filled. And if that's true, then you've got gifts. I hope they're not looking too new and shiny. Eighth effect. 
The eighth effect of the Holy Spirit filling us is that we receive power for witness, both in how we tell people about Jesus, but also in how we live. Jesus promised, and I've said this lots before, this is probably, probably something I say too much, but the Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus promised in Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit came and filled you with power, the result would be witness. That would be the effect of the Holy Spirit's coming in to them. And then in Acts, we see that is how, I think that's how Acts is structured. Acts 1 is the promise given. Acts 2 and forward to today is God fulfilling his promise. And so just in Acts 2 alone, when the Holy Spirit comes, we see two things happen. We see the church bearing verbal witness, primarily in that first chapter through Peter, and, and, and he's getting up and he's telling people about what has happened, explaining it in light of Jesus' resurrection and the outpouring of God's spirit. But then, don't forget, the tail end of Acts 2 describes the early community, the early spirit-filled community, who are like meeting together and sharing food together and caring for the poor and worshiping God and praying together. And then there's this little tagline, and God just keeps adding to their number every day people who are being saved. And so we see one of the profound effects of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives is that we are given boldness, we are given power to speak to others about Jesus but also to live in such a way that the good news of Jesus is bringing people in. Ninth effect, and then I'll ask you what I missed. You ready? The ninth effect is a bit more of an overall one, but it's just this noticeable thing that our lives are becoming more and more aligned. The way we think, the priorities we have, the way we spend our money, that our hearts and minds and lives are becoming more and more aligned with the kingdom of God. The things that matter to us shift. Sometimes in dramatic ways, but just if you just kind of look back at the things you cared about and then you evaluate your life today, you begin to see my life's becoming more and more aligned or, or the life of this person becoming more and more aligned with the Spirit's influence. And one of the things that was really obvious in, in the celebration of life yesterday for Bill Merkley was that uh, this was a man whose life was realigned by Jesus and whose life became not perfect, but more and more aligned with the kingdom of God as he followed Jesus. That's the evidence of the Spirit's filling a person and it's a great way for the Holy Spirit to continue leading us. All right, what have I missed? Okay, so Dan said worship. In that, um, do you want to fl- do a little bit more, Dan? What, did I, what else did I miss on that topic? And I'll repeat it for the folks on, on, online. Yes. Thanks, Dan. So Dan said, um, as... The Holy Spirit fills our lives. We have a desire to express worship to God more and more. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe in my, uh, as I worked out uh, what we're going to look at this summer, um, you know, when Jesus said, uh, true worshipers worship in, in spirit and in truth, uh, we're going to look even more specifically at that. So thanks for that, Dan. Excellent. Yeah, is it connected to the intimacy thing? Uh, yes, I think it would be very connected to that, Tony. Yeah, so that sense of what, as we become more and more, I mean, f- aware of God's love for us and his care for us, and uh, there's something in which the whole, because, I mean, just to speak theologically for a minute, but just super practically, I mean, think about it. God has come to live in you by the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Wherever one, one person is present, the other two are always present. And so the whole Godhead lives in you. And what we have to remember sometimes is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit have been in a relationship of perfect, dynamic, self-giving love for all of eternity. It's the most wonderful picture of love and grace and fullness that there is. And they're in you. And the whole point is that you and I would be drawn into their relationship with each other 
If you read John 17 sometime, that's, it's all, that's the whole business of that I may be in you and you in me as I am in my father and my father is in me. And there's all this like, what? Where are we? Um, but it's this recognition that there's this incredible intimacy, this intimate Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are now living in us. And we're caught up in their love relationship, which is the definition of worship. So excellent connection, Tony. Yeah. Anyone else I missed? Okay. So there's a stabilizing influence in your life. Is that what you're saying, yeah. Val? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I just want to repeat that for, the, for those who are online. The sense in which our lives maybe um, were characterized by a roller coaster or a, a swinging pendulum, but the sense in which the Holy Spirit brings... I, I have a good friend, we talked about this a fair bit, where it's a sense in which the Holy Spirit can um, level in so that my, my life isn't like this as much, but it begins to, you know, get a little bit flatline in a positive sense, you know, a little bit, a little bit steadier, you know, and, and uh, we are able to not be as, as uh, volatile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I see it as a Yeah. Yeah, we become more of a plumb line. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, yes. Yeah. So the, the second one uh, that Val had was a, there's a simplification. There's a sense in which things become not, not simple in a negative sense, but there's a simplicity to our relationship with God in our life. All that extra junk gets kind of culled away. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Others, what are some of the effects of the Holy Spirit's filling in your life that you'd like to share? Joy, who said that? Yeah, there's joy, isn't there, Eileen? Yeah, there is joy. And sometimes in the midst of really tough times, there's a, there's a joy of God's presence and his purpose, and yeah, he brings joy. Yeah. Yes, our lives and our community, there's a sense in which they're praise-filled. Remember a few weeks ago in Colossians, we noted, I noted, how everything, everything Paul would say, he'd always sort of throw in the Thanksgiving theme. It just, it, there's something characteristic about the people of God being a thankful people, a praising people. That's what you're saying? Yeah, beautiful, Suze. Thanks. Fearlessness, absolutely. There is. The Holy Spirit, I mean, in, in Acts 4, I think it is, there's a beautiful moment where they're, they're getting um, threatened by the authorities. In fact, I think they get beaten and then they, they thank God for the opportunity of witnessing to him in that way and the Holy Spirit fills them with a boldness to continue witnessing. And we see that. And as we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, he can fill us with, with a boldness. And I think it also flows from that, a real deep confidence in God's love for us. That makes a, that's a, you know, the whole perfect love casts out fear thing, but also just a sense of like, well, seriously, what can you do to me when I'm loved by the creator of the universe who lives inside of me? <laughs> like, you know, take your best shot. Owen? Absolutely. So there's a sense in which his law is written on our, we're, we're remade in such a way that we are loving him and loving others the way he always meant it to be, the way the, what the law was pointing to, but we messed it up, couldn't do it. He writes it right into us. Yeah, absolutely. And there's the sign of that. Absolutely. Generosity. The Holy Spirit comes in and people do let go of their stuff. Isn't it interesting in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4, that was one of the, the very definitive descriptions given of this early Spirit-filled community, is that they're a community that their stuff, their whole perspective on stuff has changed. And they're now giving it away, sharing it with the, particularly caring for the poor, even so much so that in that early community, there are no needy persons among them. Talk about fulfilling God's desire. In the law, he didn't want that, but he, he made provisions for needy people because he didn't want there to be needy people, but there would always be needy people. And here in this early spirit-filled community, there's no needy people because generosity has been characterized in their lives. Others?
Okay. So we don't need to try to control other people, try to control situations. There's a sense in which we can hold more loosely and trustingly that the Father is in control. Let him work his control in me, but I I don't need to go around trying to grip everyone else and control my life. It doesn't work anyway, but, you know, that's part of the fearlessness thing too. Wow, look at that. We could have had like 17 points to this message. Using our gifts is worship. Yeah. Yep. So Holy Spirit fills us, gifts us, mm-hmm. and use those. Right? Like we think of worship as singing songs, right. but that's only right. a very small part of how we mm-hmm. Yeah. And well and when we're using our, our our gifts to help others grow, that brings glory to God too. And yeah. so that connects to worship and yeah, that's a great connection. Wow, we could go on and on, couldn't we? Better not, though. Uh, here's what I, how I want to conclude us today. So those are the effects, and we're describing them beautifully. The effects of being filled by the Spirit. How do we do it? How can we be filled with the Spirit? It's actually not complicated. I mean, we're talking about placing ourselves under the influence of the Spirit on a regular basis. But there's also ways that we can just explicitly ask and that is the first point, we simply ask God's Holy Spirit to fill us. Do that throughout your day. Do it when you get up in the morning. Do it when you pray with each other. You simply ask. And I say that based on the strong authority of Jesus' own teaching. Listen to this from Luke chapter 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I've asked for a lot of things. That does not necessarily mean that happened. But wait for it, because the punch is coming at the end. Think of what Jesus is saying. Ask, seek, knock. You fathers, he said, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, it doesn't get much more clear than that. I think we can just ask. We know the Holy Spirit of God is in us. So, when we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us, what we're saying is, influence me. Um, help me, you know, how does a drunk person stay drunk? I don't want to be crass. And I know that for, for some of you, that, that's a painful thing. But think about it. They keep drinking. That's the problem. But in this case, the analogy that Paul's using is keep drinking of the Spirit. Keep putting yourself under the influence. Ask Him to fill you as you read Scripture. Ask Him to fill you as you pray. Ask Him to fill you as you go to work each day. Ask Him to fill you before you go into the bedroom to ball out the kid who's just made another mess. Maybe particularly you should stop for a moment and ask him to fill you when you're going to respond in a reactive way. Ask him to fill you as you're facing a conflict situation or an awkward conversation with somebody that you know you need to have. Ask him to fill you. He will. He's already there. He's just looking for a yielded heart. In that vein, second point, is to practice regular confession. Confession of three kinds. First one is confessing Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are a follower of Jesus, to say, Jesus, I follow you. I believe in you. You are my Lord and Savior. You are my master. I confess you. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, and you've not yet confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is as simple as that. You say, Jesus, I believe in you. Hit me. Okay, don't say hit me, but I believe in you. Come and fill me. That's all it takes. That is all it takes. He's going to fill in a few other gaps too, but you know, confess Jesus your Lord and Savior. Believe in Jesus. Believe he died. I confess you as Lord. You rose again. Come and fill me. But uh, you can confess 
regularly, Christ as your Lord. And to do that explicitly, with your mouth open, using vocal cords, it's very powerful. I, I dare say a lot of us, it's been a while since we've actually said those words out loud. Say it out loud. The second kind of confession is the more obvious one. Confess specific sin as the Spirit leads it. Uh, it leads you to see it and know it and identify it. Be regular in that. If we're really growing in sensitivity to the Spirit, we should be confessing sin fairly often. Like daily, at least. Hourly for some people. Like me. Right? So confess, Jesus is your Lord. Confess sin, specific sin as the Spirit convicts. And then continue to confess your trust in the Father's love. I trust your love. I trust your goodness. I trust your character. So ask, confess, and then open yourself up to the influence of the Spirit through the things, some of the things we've already identified. We have a part to play in this. Open yourself up to the Spirit by placing yourself under Spirit influence. In that sense, keep drinking. Drink Scripture. Drink prayer. Drink good reading that is helping you grow in faith. Serve the body of Christ. Serve your community with the love of Jesus. Seek to be mentored by a godly person who is further along in spiritual walk with you and start mentoring those who are not as far along. Encourage them in the Lord. Seek to walk in spiritual friendship with another person to convey and discuss and pray together for your ongoing mutual growth in Christ and worship, worship, worship. These are all ways that we continue to place ourselves under the influence of God's Holy Spirit. We ask, we confess, and then we open ourselves up. And then I want to just say, the rest is just walking in freedom. Don't be so stressed. Assume God's presence in your life. Trust his guidance. Run. Run. Just give her. Don't be afraid. You're going to fall. Of course you're going to fall. That's all right. You know I run lots. And I, I ran uh, down a mountain yesterday. And I admit, I was by myself thinking, if I fall here, I hope my phone doesn't break. Because, actually, to be really honest, there was a par- part when I was up in the lady slipper that I thought, if I fell and broke my leg here, you know what the worst thing would be? I'd be drained dry by mosquitoes before they found me. (laughs) They were so bad up there. It was unbelievable. And I was in shorts and a t-shirt thinking, literally, if I break my leg, how am I going to keep the mosquitoes off me? Anyway, (laughs) what I mean by that, why am I saying that? I'm sorry. Um, Is that you want to run with freedom, knowing that you're going to fall, Thankfully, I didn't that day. But knowing that you're going to fall, and when you fall, guess what? It's okay. There's forgiveness. God's spirit is in you. Run. Run in freedom. Don't be worried. God will keep you. Run. So ask, confess, open up, and then just run. Just run. As we close today, um, I'd like us to just pray. And I invite you where you're at right now to just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Would you join me in that? I invite you just to quiet yourself for a moment. You may want to lay your hands on your lap, open as a posture of openness to the Spirit. And then let's just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. The moment of quiet first. Holy Spirit of God, we simply ask that you would fill us. Fill us with your love, with your grace, with yourself. We confess Jesus as our Lord. And as you prompt us, Holy Spirit, we confess the sin in our lives, attitudes and actions that are not consistent with your character, that hurt other people and hurt ourselves. Confess them as sin to you and ask for your forgiveness knowing that we've got it. And Holy Spirit, we want to be people who are open to your influence. But would you fill us? 
right up. May we be a people, a church, persons filled with you. We simply ask, knowing that you respond because this is your delight. This is what you wanted. Talk about praying according to your will. You love this stuff, and you love us. And so, thank you for filling us. For those who are with us today, online or here in person, who not yet actually place their trust in you, you know who you are. And I just want to guide you in a simple prayer. So, for all of us together, would you join me in saying these words, but that's to support those who are here or online who have not yet confessed you, Jesus, as their Lord, but want to. And so very simply, let's pray these words. Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you today to simply ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross to forgive me of my sin. And thank you for going to the grave to defeat death. I believe that you rose again, that you're alive today. And I want to follow you. Send your Holy Spirit into me to fill me with yourself and help me to know the next steps I need to take. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Holy Spirit, you know the hearts and minds of each of us. And for those who would have confessed this for the first time, I just ask that you would seal this, that they would find a spiritual friend, that they would come talk to me, um, that they would take that next step, lead them and guide them. Thank you for your love, Lord Jesus, that's poured out into our lives. Continue to influence us, Lord, as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, God lives in us, and he's delighted to do so. And he calls us into a living, dynamic life of freedom with him. He's always wanted this. And every day, every day, he wants us to experience the fullness of his presence in our lives. And all he's asking us to do is to be open to his influences to reach over and crank that thermostat right up. And whoosh, let him transform you. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.